0: Welcome to the How Justice is Served podcast with attorney Jed Kurzban. If you're practicing attorney or a business person who needs to persuade others when the stakes are high, this is the podcast for you. Whether you stand in the courtroom or the boardroom, Jed will teach you how to persuade people when it really matters. Listen as Jed shares keen insights, life lessons, and memorable stories all delivered with a dose of humor. Here's your host, Jed Kurzban.
1: Well, I'm joined by Jed Kurzban. He is the author of How Justice is Served. And Jed, today we're going to be tackling chapter three of your book, which is Build Your Case to Your Theme. So can you break down how trial attorneys, um, or really attorneys in general, build a case and kind of organize their case so they have success in the courtroom? What does that look like?
0: Sure. So thank you for having me. I will tell you that themes are very important in a case. As I've said before, in my book talks about it, juries identify with the good guy and they want to punish the bad guy. Right. And so themes are created to help a jury understand what occurred here. Uh, There's unfortunately a principle, it's a psychological principle that most people believe bad things won't happen to them. So they try not to identify with people that are injured. Mm -hmm. So you need them to identify with your client so they can understand how your client was injured. One of the ways you make them identify with your client is creating a theme. So, for instance, if I have a case where I have a long-distance truck driver who was unfortunately run over and killed while delivering a vehicle, my theme was not that this was sort of just while working he got hurt. My theme is here's a man who's willing to drive 3,000 miles tired through snow and rain to put food on the table for his wife and son because he loved them and wanted to supply a light for them and provide a light for them. And he's willing to do what it takes. And when he got to his destination, the destination said, you know, we don't want you parking here. It doesn't look good. We don't like how it looks. We're going to put you on a side street, which is dangerous, not protect you. And he was eventually run over and killed by a truck driver, a tow truck. So my theme was if you're doing your job and you're doing everything you can, you need to be protected from harm by the people above you, your bosses. Your bosses can't just put you in harm and let you get killed, right? Because he was delivering to a place that had to accept his long distance haul. And they knew putting him on a side road where he can get run over was dangerous. They just didn't care. Mm -hmm. So my theme was, what? What did you do to protect your employee? And if you did nothing, that's shameful. And if you did worse than nothing, but you put him in harm's way, that's worse than shameful. And a jury should not accept that. And they generally don't. And so one of the ways that I build my theme is I build my theme to my case. And I always, when I'm building my theme, use what's called Burke's Pentad. Burke's Pentad is an ancient Greece kind of tradition of how to build drama. So in ancient Greece, they had these huge auditoriums, they built drama. And how do you build drama? And, you know, they were very smart back then in the way they identified what people wanted to see and hear to feel emotion, Mm -hmm. right? So any good trial lawyer will tell you they don't want sympathy for their client. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here for sympathy. My clients don't want sympathy. But I I do want generally to elicit emotion. Hmm. I want you to be emotional and understand what occurred. So Burke's Pentad is this way to build drama and emotion through the act. So what's the act? In this case, the act is you made my guy park on a side, a busy side road where you could be injured. Number two, what's the scene? Well, the scene is this side road. I had pictures of it hmm. and I showed the traffic going back and forth and how this defendant knew of that traffic. Number three, the agent, who's the agent? In this case, it was the person that told my client to park on the side road. Agency, so now who controlled the agent? In this case, it was you know the big defendant company controlled the agent that told my client to park on the side road, we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. So the agency is important because if it's a medical malpractice case, the doctor might be the agent, but the hospital may be the agency because they put him in this position. Right. So you want agent and agency. And the last part of it is the purpose. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. And as I explained in my book, purpose is always justice. Mm-hmm. None of my clients come in and say, you know, my husband is blind. He wants money. Right. My wife lost her ability to walk after she gave birth to a baby. She wants money. It's never what they tell me. What they tell me is my wife can't walk any longer and we want justice it's not right. We don't want this to happen to anyone else. Or in this case, the truck driver, the widow who would come to my office and cry on my shoulder and say, she doesn't ever want this to happen to anyone else. It's not fair what happened. She wants justice. And that is what I try to provide my clients. And when I wrote my book, it's one of the reasons why I named my book how justice is served, because that's what they want. They want justice for the wrongdoing that wasn't their fault.
1: So what would you say is the best way to frame your case where it really will appeal to a jury? Maybe get even beyond that, like you said, that kind of psychological block of not wanting anything bad to happen to them. So they don't want to see this injured person as a real person. How do you get past that? How do you frame your case to move past that?
0: So I'm not allowed to say to a jury, imagine this was you. You're not allowed to do that. It's called the golden rule and you cannot do that. The courts will throw your case out Hmm. because it's too powerful. right? So you're not allowed to say, imagine this was you.
1: Hmm.
0: So it's a good question. And the question is, how do I say to you, imagine this was you, without saying that? that. (laughs) So for instance, when I pick a jury, I may ask you in jury, it's called Vordire, questioning of the jury. I may ask you in jury Vordire, what do you think about long distance truck drivers? And your answer may be, Well, my uncle drove a truck, and I know it's really hard work. And in the end, I know they just want to get home to their families. Hmm. All right, so I'll take that note. Now, how do I do my case? I'll be in trial, and I'll start to cross-examine the agent, the bad guy, and say, when you put him in harm's way and let him get killed, you understand he cannot go home to his family now? That's all my client wanted to do was go home to his family, and you took that away from him. Now, you, the juror that said that, you're going, that is what he wanted to do. He wanted to go home. He's talking to me, but he's not saying he's talking to me because I'm not allowed to talk to you. So you're not really being saying this is you, right. but this is you. So how do I do it? That's how I do it. I take my notes in Vordar and I try to make sure I touch every juror where they say it matters to them mm-hmm. in my case without saying, I know this matters to you.
1: Now, as far as um, all of the you know, jargon that can come with being in the courtroom, it it can kind of be overwhelming. I'm sure as a juror coming in and hearing all of this going on around them. So why do you feel like it's important for an attorney to, to be like a regular person? You touched on that earlier, that you're just a normal guy. How do you talk like a real person when you're an attorney and you're in the courtroom doing your job? How do you appeal to the jury as a real person?
0: So I think that is what separates me from many other trial attorneys. Mm. Law school teaches you to think and talk and act like a lawyer. And unfortunately, too many lawyers think and act and talk like a lawyer. Mm. So, for instance, in medical malpractice, we'll take a case I had in medical malpractice where they allowed a, um, a heart puncture to occur during a catheterization, which can actually occur. Mm. People puncture hearts every day, all day in the country. However, when they puncture the heart, they see the blood pressure drops and they're supposed to repair it. And it's pretty easy to repair this little hole they make in the heart. In this case, the doctor had somewhere to go. So he left the hole, assumed some young medical student would fix it, and he left. All right. So the defendants will tell you in medical malpractice, you must have liability, causation, and damages. And they'll talk about liability, causation, and damages. I'm a regular guy. What the hell is liability causation and damages? Jerry doesn't know. I barely know. Why do you talk like that? So I say, look, this doctor, he messed up. He screwed up and did something wrong. And because he did something wrong, my guy died. Mm -hmm. And my guy died for no other reason other than when he made this mistake, he was too much in a hurry to go play golf or go get a drink or do whatever he wanted to do. He didn't fix his own mistake. I fix my mistakes. Most people I know, if they make a mistake, they try to fix their mistakes. But not this guy. He didn't fix his mistake. Now, I talked about liability, causation, and damages. Right. You just don't use those words because the hell are those words. So you have to be able to communicate with the jury. And I think that's one of my greatest strengths is I, I'm a lawyer who wears blue jeans and sneakers to the office every day. (laughs) That's just how I am. I'm a regular guy and I talk to my jury like a regular guy.
1: Well, I think that's great. Bringing things down to the everyman level so that everyone has Um, a clear understanding of the situation and what's right, what's wrong, and you're able to present it in a way that will win over a jury, I think, any day. So I appreciate you sharing that. And of course, uh, I appreciate you just taking time to share with us about what you do, talk about your book. It's How Justice is Served. It's by Jed Kurzban. You can pick up a copy on Amazon. Be sure to do that. Jed, thank you so much for talking with me today.
0: Thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the How Justice is Served podcast with Jed Kurzban. Learn more or get a copy of Jed's book when you reach out to him at kktplaw.com. That's kktplaw.com.